Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, I'm fabulous. Thanks. You know, I'm being surrounded by uh, all kinds of football, not only what we're about to talk about today, but uh, in here on uh, the uh, 31st day of August, uh, you know, right around the noontime, I'm watching a little bit of uh, football of the uh, European variety right now with uh, Liverpool and Newcastle. So enjoying all kinds of sports here, of course, as we get closer and closer to September. Absolutely. I mean, we have college football kicking off. You know, it's a very exciting time of year for all football fans and especially for sports bettors, because I don't think you can argue that football is the sport that most people, whether you're a sharp better, whether you're just a public better, whether you're just a first time better. It's probably been a football because it just seems to be the most popular sport. I love this time of year. You know, I get 17 weeks now, well now 18 weeks of regular season football where I could just, you know, dive into spread after spread week after week, confidence pools, survivor pools, fantasy league. You know, this, this is beautiful. It's a great time of year. And it it was a nice gap from the Super Bowl to now. It gives you enough time to be wanting more. So I'm not going to waste any time and get right into this episode. So we talked last week, we dived into the NFC South. You know, we had the Buccaneers, the Vikings, the Panthers, and I guess you could throw in the Falcons there. Now we get into probably the most exciting division in the NFC, and that's the NFC West. We saw last year three teams, the Rams, who were the Super Bowl champions, the 49ers, and the Cardinals all made the postseason. So from last year, Robert, you can argue that this was – the toughest division in the NFC East. You know, I mean, NFC West. Before we go into team by team, do you still consider it the toughest division in the NFC West? Huh. Well, uh, funny is that we're you know taking a look. I mean, heck, we we discussed a few weeks ago that uh, you know, the AFC West was just absolutely loaded, like I haven't seen in years and years and years. So, I mean, after all, we could just take a look at the whole of the NFL, and we could pretty much easily deduce that uh you know west is best right now it's right you know, it, it, i don't think that it, it it matches on par with the afc west because they're they're just absolutely just tricked out uh but you know this it, it's right up there i probably would say it, right following them without a doubt ali how about yourself i was thinking a lot about this because as i was writing previews the past few weeks you know obviously I still considered it the best team in the the best conference or sorry, the best division in the NFC. But then we had our conversation last week where we talked about the Buccaneers, the Saints, who you and I, you know, you like more than I do. I like the Panthers more than you do. You know, and then let's go back two weeks ago with Mark when we talked about the NFC North, the Packers are could be the number one seed. I think we all were in agreement that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. I know that you have like the, the downer division part of the division with the bears and the John, I mean the bears and the lions, but I don't know. I don't think I can without a doubt, consider it the toughest division or the toughest. Yeah. Division. And this is why, because I think, and we'll get to it later. I think the Cardinals took a big dive this offseason and they're going to take an even bigger dive in the regular season i don't know what i'm going to get with trey lance and the 49ers so right now robert i can't say that it's the best but i can't say that it's not the best if that's fair of course it is no without a doubt i mean we'll take a look and 
and dive into each team. But I mean, when you have the the caliber of coaching uh, head coaches that you have in in just this tiny little pocket that is the uh, you know the West in the NFC, it's just it just shows you why they're so loaded and why they're built so well. I mean, we could even you know find a glimmer of hope you know later in, in the episode uh, for Seattle, you know. But in in the end of the day, you're going to find that there's very few teams if you combine. Uh, everyone, I just break them down division by division. Uh, they're as as loaded a division as we could find in the NFL right, right after the a, the NFC uh, West for us. Absolutely, and let's get right into the team. So let's start with the defending Super Bowl champion, the, the Los Angeles Rams. We saw them win right in Los Angeles. I don't remember the last time a team actually won the Super Bowl in their hometown, but it was a weird Super Bowl. I thought because. I remember when it ended, it just kind of felt like, I don't know, it, just, it didn't feel like momentous. Like you would think winning the Super Bowl would be. It had a weird ending, but I'm not going to take that away. Rams are the champions. Now, as we enter this year, you know, they had a lot of additions and a lot of subtractions in the offseason. Additions, they got Allen Robinson to replace Odell Beckham Jr. They have Von Miller departed. They signed Bobby Wagner as a result. So right now, Robert, what are we looking at for their win total and their odds? Right. So as of as of this recording, which you know, it's it's twelve thirty on the thirty first of August, the number sits right flat at ten and a half for the total uh, on the season wins for the Rams. And like you said, you know they did stay busy. The Rams did uh, in free agency during the spring. You know, of course, they re-signed some of their their own key players, mostly along the offensive line, which. You know, no, no need to go into detail as to why that's so important. But you you lock down Brian Allen, uh, you get no boom to long term deals. Uh, of course, when you bring in, in my opinion, I think Allen Robinson is going to be an improvement over Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, to be you know alongside Cooper Cup. So that number I thought was a good set number when we said it a, a, you know a little while ago. It's still pretty good right now. Um, tell me, what do you think when you see ten and a half? in a loaded division like this, uh, how do you break it down, Allie? So I struggled with this one when I wrote my blog a few weeks ago because, you know, my gut said go with the over, but then, you know, my head was, well, this was, you know, again, what I perceived based on last season as the toughest division. But then I remembered you're going against Trey Lance twice. You're going against the Cardinals now with, DeAndre Hopkins has suspended the first six games. Kyler Murray suffered a few injuries last year. You know, I don't know if he's going to be on and off the field. And let's just, let's even just bring up, you know, the controversy surrounding his contract. You know, he has to watch film tape. Now he doesn't. The Cardinals were embarrassed about it. They wanted it in. It was just a crazy, you know, saga with that. They had Marquise Brown, who they got from the Ravens. He got it in trouble a few weeks ago, which I don't think he's going to be suspended, but still. So when I looked at this division, I was like, this is the only team that has gotten better in the off season. So I'm going with the over. It's a, it's a very well placed put. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the way their, their schedule is broken out this year as well. Ali, you know, it's not an easy schedule. Right. They, they do have really tough road games against the Bucks and the Chiefs within a four week span, you know, heck even a road date with the saints during that stretch is nothing to really take for granted. Uh, week 15 in green Bay. That's not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, look, 
they're they're still super loaded. I mean, they they won the Super Bowl, so right. it's not going to be uh, you know games that you could just automatically you know chalk down as as losses. So, I mean, look with with games against the NFC South, a home and home you know against the rebuilding Seahawks. You know, the Rams are still going to be incredibly tough. I'm going to go with you. Uh, I think that they'll have 11 wins or more this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at their first six games of the season before their bye week. Buffalo, I think you could flip a coin with, though they are the home team, so I'll give them the edge. Right. But I think they beat Atlanta. I think they beat Arizona because, again, DeAndre Hopkins is out and Kyler Murray's not the same player without him. I think they beat San Francisco because I think it's going to take time for Trey Lance. If he does, you know, develop, it's going to take time for him to develop. Dallas, it's in LA. I'll give them the I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And then Carolina. They can easily be six and oh and more than halfway there before their bye week. Or at the very least, I would say five and one. You know, I yeah. think that out of that, they they're five and one. So then when I look at the second half of the schedule, you're right. It's tough. San Fran, the Bucks, Cardinals again, New Orleans, Kansas City. It's tough to, you know, say that they'll win them all. I doubt they win them all. Maybe they win two out of the the five. Maybe they win three out of the five. But, you know, that's a tough one. Seattle's a win. I think the Raiders are a win. Green Bay, Denver toss-ups. Chargers toss-ups. Seattle toss-ups. So I think that if they, by that bye week, get to five or six wins, I think that they have a very good chance of getting 11 wins at at the minimum. At the minimum still. I think they are going to win their division. Like you said, Allen Robinson's a big upgrade over Odell Beckham Jr. I think that offense is just going to pick up right where it's left off. We have it. We have a healthy Cam Akers this season, so they have help with the running game. And I think Bobby Wagner has a bit of a resurgence on the defensive end. You know, Von Miller was a was a loss, but don't forget they got him in the midseason and they were cruising before them. I don't think he was necessarily the X factor that got him right through. To, right through the Super Bowl. He helped a lot, but I don't think it was a be-all, end-all. So what I'm looking at, Robert, is I think this team has significantly improved in key positions in the offseason. And again, I think they're the only team that has improved. So schedule aside, it's going to be a tough road for them. But if there's a team that doesn't shy away from competition, it's the Rams. I mean, Sean McVay, as cocky as he is, he approaches every game with with a we are going to win mentality. You know, I really like Sean McVay. I think he's the perfect guy for the job for them. So for me, I'm a hundred percent on the over. Yeah, no, this I'm, I'm not even going to spend uh, even a minute going against that. I, I honestly think when you looked at the preseason, Allen Robinson may have the best year of his entire career this coming season. So yeah. uh, you know, we'll we'll touch on a little bit of you know, DFS a little bit later. Uh, but I, I think Allen Robinson's going to have an incredible year. Uh, and it's, I don't know if this is just something, if it's uh, if me an attack on Nagy, or if it's just me looking at how well uh, McVay has done, you know, uh, getting his team tuned up for this year. But at, at the end of the day, uh, Cup and, and Robinson uh, may in fact be the best one-two punch, you know, from a wide receiver duo anywhere in the NFL this year. Yeah, and hey, you know what? Let's not rule out an adult and Odell Beckham Jr. comeback. You know, the guy's gonna be a free agent once he's healthy. And if anything, I've seen the past few seasons with the Rams, 
you go back to a few seasons ago, they traded for Jalen Ramsey. You know, they're, they're not shy to take on personalities and they will do anything to be a Super Bowl or bust team. So they will make the moves necessary. You could see something in the midseason where they're going to make a trade if they feel like they're not up to par. So I think that this over, I don't want to say it's a lock, but we are on the Nothing But Locks podcast. But it's one of my favorite overs for all the teams. How about yourself? Yeah, tough tough for me to see this team not getting double-digit wins. Uh, so I would uh, lean towards the over with you on the Rams. All right. Well, let's move on to a team where I am not high on at all. I'll, I'll lay it out at the beginning. And I think we've talked about this out in past episodes. If it was Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback, now I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10, maybe not even a top 15 quarterback in the league, but he is a game manager. He does seem to have chemistry with his offense. And now you have Trey Lance, the highly touted quarterback that comes in. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Trey Lance. I saw him a little bit in college, but not a lot. And it wasn't a great, it wasn't a ton of footage I saw of him. I watched him play last year. I saw a lot of raw talent, but I saw a lot more mistakes. I saw, you know, he, he I think he maybe one game he started, he had two interceptions. He could have easily had five or six if if they played a better defense. And I think they played like the Houston Texans or something like that. But I don't know. Let's, before we dissect Trey Lance, Robert, what are we looking at for the 49ers win total and their odds? Without even having uh, an inkling of the bias that is the Bay Area so close to my sports book here in Northern Nevada, uh, the season win total for the Niners is 10, Allie. 10 flat. And uh, yes, uh, as you were uh, discussing Trey Lance, I already felt the pitchforks and the torches at my doorstep. <laughs> Uh, with everyone here, such a, uh, a huge, uh, huge base of fanatics for the Niners here, Ali. They really are. And they, they're, they're, there's, there's always going to be that no matter what, uh, just because of my proximity to, you know, to the Bay Area. I have a feeling that the number was set just right. Uh, there, there wasn't really uh, the number that was set too high, even with uh, the number being set during Garoppolo's position. Uh, now, of course, they were supposed to be finding a new team. They asked him to go and find himself a new team. And uh, now they signed him to an extension. So um, I, they'll have to figure that out. Uh, in, in the end, Ali, I, I think with the team remaining primarily the same, you know, there are, you know, a few subtractions with, you know, Mostert, Tomlinson, you know, Arden Key, they're all signing elsewhere. Uh, they added uh, Tredavious Ward from the Chiefs to get their secondary a little bit bolstered up. Uh, yeah, here we go. 10 wins, Allie. Yeah, I'm going under. I, I like this is as close to, I would say, a lock as I'm going to give, you know, and I'm not saying all my locks are right, but I just, I don't see it. I, I, I really don't. I don't see Trey Lance getting 10 wins for this team. And it's going to ride on him because the defense is good, but the offense goes based on the quarterback and well like i said while jimmy g is not your gunslinger you know he's still a game manager you, we, we see a lot of that in like a quarterback like alex smith he's just a guy that knows how to run the offense and we saw in the last few games of the regular season you know especially against the rams when they won to get in the playoffs like he can make the plays 
when he needs to make the plays. I know we didn't see that in the the NFC Championship game this past year, but this is a guy, Robert, that got the 49ers to two AFC, uh, two NFC conference championship game yeah. in three years and one Super Bowl appearance. Like, I think he's just been totally disrespected. I, I don't really understand it, but I'm glad you brought the point up that they did restructure this contract when they're staying. Cause that to me says they've seen something about Trey Lance that they're not a hundred percent committed with. I mean, do you see any other sign like that, Robert? I think it's just smart roster management to tell you the truth. I don't know why they didn't do that even sooner. Uh, It's it's okay to have depth, uh, especially when you know you've got something, well, potentially they see something potentially special with with Trey Lance. Uh, He he has a cannon for an arm. Uh, The weapons that are on offense right now are built for a a high-octane style. Um, You know, we're going to probably see yet another stellar year out of Debo Samuel, no matter who's the quarterback this year. Uh, but at the, you know, the way the roster is built right now, I mean, again, just looking and pouring over their schedule, Allie, it's tough. It's another tough one. You know, they've got a trip, uh, you know, it's a neutral field. They're going to be playing in Mexico City, which, by the way, uh, I could have an entire episode talking about how I wish there was an NFL franchise in Mexico City. Oh, yeah. They are rabid for pro football. Uh, they're going to be playing the Cardinals. Right. Then, of course, they have the benefit of having their biggest non-divisional games at home. Uh, you know, they won four games at home last year with a healthy roster. I honestly think they're going to be much more improved. Am I, you know, the numbers 10, I, I think that with, you know, Lance, it, at this point, we know he's a starter. So he's proven enough to, to, to be the starter. And I think the defense is going to be, you know, built enough to lead the way back for the Niners to once again have a really dominant run game, help lessen the load on Trey Lance. So, darn it, Allie, it's going to be close. <laughs> it's going to be close to that 10. So what are you leaning toward? I'm going to take over. Okay, so we have our first disagreement. <laughs> I'll go over the 10. Well, we needed that. Listen, I know I'm not like, you know, be, again, I'm glad I don't live in the Bay Area. I live in L.A. where they don't like the Niners because I know, yeah, like you said, I would be getting the pitchforks because I'm so against freelance. <laughs> but you know what, Robert? Like, let's, let's, let, let me ask you something. You know, do you know off the top of your head, like what Kyle Shanahan's record is without Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, I'm going to say that it's, with the Niners? Yeah, with the Niners. Uh, it's, it, it can't be good. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i probably thinking that he's probably reliant more on, on him and his performance since they traded for him from New England, no? Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but it's something bad. I want to say he's something like 8 and 28 with without him, but he has a winning record with him. I got to look it up. I'll look it up before the end of the episode. But this is a team that, you know, as, like I said, as much as they want to, like, hate on Jimmy G, they've won with him. They've won with him. I know he's had – I know that he's had an up-and-down career. You know, he does get injured. Yeah, I looked it up right now. So Kyle Shanahan is just 8-27 and 27 without Jimmy Garoppolo. 8-27. Eight, eight, eight and 27. Like, let, let's let that sink in. He, he, he doesn't perform well without – the main guy. And I know the, the 49ers haven't had the best backups to Jimmy Garoppolo, 
but still, you know, I think we just threw Garoppolo out the window too much. We didn't give him enough credit for what he's able to do with this team. And we're going to see the downfall of the 49ers this season. I think that they're going to have, they're going to, they're going to struggle at times. You know, they do have a cakewalk to open the season. I believe they play against, yeah, they play against the bears and the Seahawks. Those should both be wins you would think, but who knows, you know, we don't know how Lance is going to perform, but you know, Robert, let, let me ask you this. Let me just play devil's advocate. What, at what point do you think, how would, how much would Trey Lance have to struggle for them to say, you know, we rushed him too much. We got to put Jimmy G back in the lineup. All right. So like define struggle, like, are we talking like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, face in the ground meme with a helmet flipped sideways. Yeah, we could do that. that. <laughs> okay. So if he's that after four weeks, he's going to have to sit four right. weeks. I mean, but he has to literally get flipped upside down. Like I, I, I get it in my, my God, that record is so bad. At, you know, you look at that, you have to think Kyle Shanahan, he really is choosing violence here. But <laughs> I, I think you give him four weeks, you give him a month's worth of starts. If he just gets, you know, lose by 10, lose by 10, lose by 10, lose by 10, then we got to we gotta sit down and, and, and get the ship righted because this team is built to win the Super Bowl, not to, you know, scratch out, a, you know, a, a playoff appearance, forget about a win. Well, let's look at this. So week nine is their bye week. Now let's let's go down the list of their first eight games. I think we'll say Chicago's a win, Seattle's a win. So say they start the season two and zero. They're gonna lose to Denver in Denver. I'm a hundred percent sure of that. I think they lose to the Rams. So say they're two and two at Carolina. I will give the Panthers that win. I, I'm gonna just again. I'm gonna favor the Panthers. I'm high on the Panthers. They'll beat Atlanta. So let's say that's three and three. Say they lose then the next two games to Kansas City and the Rams again. They go into their bye week at three and five. You know, is that is that sounding alarms yet? Yes. Yes, it is. Because then you, then you come back from the bye week, you got to play the Chargers. You got to play the Cardinals. You got to play the Saints, the Dolphins, and then Tom Brady. I mean... <laughs> If if you're three and five and you're looking at your schedule coming up with Trey Lance, I think that you have to put Jimmy G in. Like unless the 49ers have a 500 or better record entering at, or after their bye week, I think that Jimmy G is going to be the starter come week ten. I mean, what do you think? Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no. I think you, we may we may actually see a change even before then. So. If- you're getting to you know to week ten and they're they're flipped sideways. You know I think they're going to have to consider making making a change back to Garoppolo. Um, it, it's I think we're going to know a lot sooner than that though, Ali. I really do. I don't think it's going to have to take that long. This is not not a franchise built for a, a rebuild. They're they're here and they obviously you know entrusted the whole franchise to their to their draft pick that they spent uh, you know quite a bit of collateral on to get. I. I think we're going to see a change a lot sooner than that. Yeah. And that's the only reason which I would be hesitant to cast any over under bet for their, their win total, because, you know, if Trey Lance is, if they're committed to Trey Lance and they're like, we're going to let him play out, play out the season, no matter what, you know, if he struggles, we'll deal with it. This and that, then I'm taking the under, I said, that's one of my locks. But if Jimmy G somehow comes in by week eight or week 10, then my then my mindset changes. So 
this is why, you know, this is a and some advice from betters out there. That's why when you look at a team's total, you literally have to, and that's why we do these episodes, you have to take into consideration all the factors that can affect your bet. You know, do you think they're going to go over with Trey Lance, but they won't with Jimmy G? Because if Jimmy G takes over midseason, you know, that's going to affect your bet. Do you think that they're going to go under with Trey Lance the whole season? If so, you got to also factor in Jimmy G may come in and be the savior that they need. You know, Robert, do you have any more advice other than what I'm giving? And you're absolutely right. And so that and that's what we're discussing, you know, live here is is to ensure that once you, you know, want to handicap a team season, you do it with the freshest number that you have. So today, as we speak again, it's 10. Now, if we would have known all of the machinations of this franchise way back in April and the number was still 10, uh, maybe you would have went under knowing, you know, that you really are that confident in you know the the struggles of of Trey Lance, maybe the number was ten and a half. That half point's going to tell you so much of a difference maker in whether or not you play that side or just pass. So you you nailed it right there. You know from just a a betting strategy perspective, you need to bet into what that number is right there at that moment. You can't just say, well, it was ten and a half you know, right. back in April, and here in August I'm going to bet under it. Well, that number's long gone. So. It's just, it's just not going to be good, you know. And so we have to deal with what we have right in front of us. We have Garoppolo signed, uh, you know. And so now it's two quarterbacks that you know are locked into contracts, and you know away we go with the season. You nailed it there, Allie. Yeah, thank you. So you know, I'm saying again to go off your point. Based on this number now, with Trey Lance named the starter, I'm going to go over, uh, go under. So you know, again, that could change midseason. But if I were to bet, which I'm not, my and I would say it's close to a lock. If Trey Lance stays the start of the entire season, I'm gonna say under. What about you, Robert? Yeah, I'm I'm still looking at the, the the basis of the team and even whether it's whether it's Lance in my opinion or or Garoppolo, I, I still think that the team is built around, you know, a really solid D. Their run game is gonna be spectacular. Evo Samuel is going to be absolutely one of the greatest weapons that we're going to see all season long. I will go over the 10. Now, let me ask you before we do move on to the Cardinals, you know, what kind of message would that send or how would that affect Trey Lance's mentality if he does get benched midseason? You know, this is a guy they're literally saying you need to succeed or else Jimmy G's going back in. Like, what does that do to a second year quarterback's mentality? Every, right. Every human is different. And they process things differently. But so just by him getting drafted so high and the, the, the absolute accolades he had as a as a collegiate, you have a different mindset, right? You're you're one of the you know one tenth of 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 the entire population that's that's able to make it to an NFL roster and then and, and sign and be able to play. He's ultra talented. I also think that he was prepared uh you know for, for what's to come. So he's going to lose and he's going to lose an awful lot more than he's ever did before in his entire career. Right. And, uh, one would think that the coaching staff that's there is already prepared him for that and let him know, Hey, you're, you're going to see real, real problems in front of you. You're going to get hit harder than you've ever done before. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think as, as the pro roster is built, you know, the, the level of talent and the coaching staff that's there, I think they're going to absolutely have him ready to go. And I think Shanahan's 
had that conversation with him a very long time ago. Yeah, no, that's a good way to look at it. You know, again, I don't know his his mindset. I don't know how he adjusts to that. So we'll see. You know, I, I don't wish anything ill on any players because, you know, I, I appreciate the human element of it. But I mean, I don't see I don't see him lasting the year as a starter. So I'll leave it at that because we do need to move on to the Cardinals, another team that had just a tumultuous offseason. We already mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Kyler had his contract negotiations that at first he wanted to trade. Then he was fine. The Cardinals gave him an extension. They put in a clause that he had to watch, I think, a minimum of four hours of film a week. That got a lot of backlash, including from Kyler Murray, who, which really perplexed me because I'm like, well, why would you sign the contract knowing the clause if he had a problem with it? But anyway, DeAndre Hopkins, he suspended the first six games for a PD use. You know, Robert, this has been quite the offseason with the Cardinals following their just embarrassing loss to the Rams in the NFC wildcard game last year. What's their win total looking like? This one's uh, really been one-sided ever since I put the number up. And I, I really can't you know disagree with what's, what's happened. I mean, you look at their... Their season finished. They went eleven and six. Mm-hmm. They made some strides, you know, to to build their roster. But you know, at, at this point, no matter what I put up, everything just keeps getting bet under. We opened up the Cardinals season win total at nine under one twenty. Uh, got pounded on the under to that. Went to eight and a half. Uh, got pounded to the under on that. So now it's sitting at eight. Uh, and I still don't have any over money. So it, there's really not a lot of trust in, in seeing this team make the playoffs this year, at least from a betting perspective here at Baldini's Alley. Yeah, and I'm totally on the under for this one too. I said they were on, when I heard the win totals, I was on the under before I even looked at the schedule. Then I went and looked at the schedule. I'm like, oh, wow, this is how they start the year. They play the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Rams. I'm like, that's an 0-3 record I'm looking at right here. No DeAndre Hopkins, that's an 0-3 record just to start the year. I mean, that that's a hard that's a hard start to the season. It affects a team's mentality. That affects their play. There's going to be some grumblings about Cliff Kingsbury, if he's right for the team. You know, Kyler Murray, if he struggles, he's going to get questioned, especially coming off getting a contract extension. I think this team is a beautiful disaster this year. I think it's just going to be a lot of internal infighting. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of bad chemistry on the team. Players are going to get a little frustrated. I just think this team, and you saw it from when they lost the wildcard game, like they're just not on the same page with each other. I think this team, I hate to say it, but something happened and they just need a total makeover i mean robert am i that crazy to be you know that extreme about it i'm still stuck on beautiful disaster can we make a record you and me ellie let's put like (laughs) a parental advisory sticker on that and just call it beautiful disaster right think about the cardinals this year i think that's what they are look i mean they're gonna have their man their hands are gonna be so full in the first six games without hopkins they're in danger of honestly not seeing their first victory until playing rebuilding Seattle in, in week six. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then they could still have eight losses ahead of them, you know, by the week 13 bye. you know, their schedule tapers off in December. It's possible they could win out the season if they can gain steam and remain healthy, you know, which, you know, 
you can't control that. And then, you know, that franchise has had that curse for some time. Um, you know, and then of course there's just inevitable randomness and chaos, you know, to hurdle along their way. I mean, Hollywood Brown's going to be an improvement over what was supposed to be, uh, you know, the AJ Green, Rondale Moore combo. Right. But no D-Hop, it's, we're going to have problems. We're going to have problems seeing some victories out of Arizona this year. And so uh wish I could take back that nine that I put up a while back because I don't know if they're going to get to eight, Allie. I really don't. No, I don't see it. And like you said, they could easily, I said 0-3, but yeah, you're right. They could lose to Philadelphia. They could lose. I think they definitely lose to Carolina in Carolina week four. That's an 0-5 record to start the year. You know, you'll uh, you'll get you'll get your easy one with Seattle, but then you got New Orleans, you got Minnesota. The, those are hard games. It's the second. It's the second hardest hardest schedule in the NFL this year. Second. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at like six, seven wins for them tops, and if if that's the case, you know, a team that got eleven wins last year and all this promise and everything, and you know, we'll save that for another episode, which I think a lot of their wins last season were a little bit butchered, and they did beat up on some really bad teams but i think you know heads are going to be rolling robert like this is this is going to be if this team starts that bad when you have a team with kyler murray cliff kingsbury uh, you know if kyler murray can't perform he's going to get a ton of criticism and i already don't think kyler murray is a good leader you know he's talented as could be i'm not going to fault him on that but i don't think he has the leadership mentality to really rise above all the criticism. I think he really takes criticism to heart and I don't think he performs well with it. I mean, you know, he, he looks in press conferences when he's approached about that. Like he just kind of shies away and, and, and rolls into a shell. Like he doesn't seem like he handles the pressure that comes off the field that well. Like he can, he can escape defenders with his speed, like no tomorrow, but the media, he doesn't respond well to it. So in that case, you know, if it comes between him or Kingsbury, Kyler Murray just signed an extension. He's not going anywhere. Kingsbury could be gone by the end of the season. What do you think? I, I think Kingsbury is, is one of the best head coaches in all of the NFL. I agree with that for sure. Right, And and he's he's been able to build really complex offenses a lot, you know, thanks to, you know, how dynamic Murray is. Sure, he's, he's still a kid. I mean, he's still so so young and I he's got a lot still to figure out you know and, and you hope that you surround him with weapons that can you know at least replace and, and net to a zero versus what you've had over years past um and, and I'm just looking towards where we could find some veteran leadership along the way to help well if it's not going to be on the roster it's going to have to be on management and so I think Kingsbury is honestly one of the greatest coaches in all of the NFL this year. And I think he's going to be able to take the pieces that he has remaining. Obviously, you know, if, if you don't have your, your wide receiver one, you know, that's, that's obviously a, a big blow, but that being said, there's still plenty of other talent on there that just start spreading out targets. See how they're going to pull this off. I mean, that they, they are going to have a very, very difficult schedule. It's just the way it played itself out. The, you know, you know, to me, if they make the playoffs, Sally, it's it's going to be a successful year for Kingsbury and the rest of the franchise. Yeah, and I'll be the first to give Kingsbury all the credit. I mean, I'm like you, Robert. I agree. I think he's a head coach, but you know, 
do you do you think it's plausible that they will look to fire him if the Cardinals do start the year so bad? If they do, I'd be very shocked. I I don't think they would. I think that they they will make a very big mistake by letting him go. I just think that he's one of the best offensive minds in the game today, and I, it would be it would be a for me personally a, a disappointment if they let him go, no matter how bad the team performed this year. Yeah, no, it would be a disappointment, but it's something that I don't think is that far-fetched because I don't think Murray see eye, sees eye-to-eye with Kingsbury. There was, you know, like Murray was looking to get traded before he signed an extension, and I don't think that really had to do as much with the front office as it did with Kingsbury. I mean, for, for them to say, hey, you need to watch four hours of film, that didn't come from the front office. Front office doesn't know if he's watching film or not. That had to come from the coaching staff who doesn't feel like he's prepared. So I think he enters the season with a little bit of disgruntlement, a little bit of chip on his shoulder, like thinking that. So if you start to see them butt heads, you're right. I think it would be a very poor move to get rid of Kingsbury, but it's not something I'm going to be shocked if I see it because they're always going to side with their franchise quarterback over their head coach. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm totally on the under train right here. You know, combined with the schedule, Murray suspension, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins suspension, I don't, I don't see it, Robert. What do, you, what are you predicting for their record? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to side right next to you, Ali, as well. Uh, I don't think that they make the playoffs this year, uh, so I don't, I don't think they get to that eight win, uh, eight win total, much less nine. Yeah. So we have another agreement. So we're, we're one, we're two for three on, on the day. So let's. I don't know if we'll disagree on the this last team, but let's go to the Seahawks because it's just this team. I mean, we talked about the Falcons last week, not really have any hope. Robert, what's the Seahawks over under in their odds? And, you know, what are you looking at with, with their season preview? Set the number really astronomically low when we opened their number. We set it at six. Uh, and uh, no no, no pushback at all from, from the betting public here at all. Six is fine. As a matter of fact, it's uh, shaded a bit to the under minus 120 right now as we record. And so it's, you know, it's a team that obviously has made some of the biggest moves in the offseason, just really not so much to improve themselves that they they needed to move on from you know, potential Hall of Fame caliber quarterback Russell Wilson, you know, and they they you know got themselves a you know whole truckload. They, you know, Drew Locke, of course, you know, a fan, Shelby Miller, you know, lots of picks. But you know, this is what it is right now. It's it's a, a rebuild, you know, and, and especially with, you know, knowing how important the quarterback position is, um, I I really, really don't know how long we're going to see Geno Smith as the starting quarterback, which was announced a couple of days ago, Allie. Yeah, I think that we're going to see Drew Locke very soon. I don't even know if Geno Smith is still in the league, to be honest with you. But that's another story. You know, looking at their schedule, there's winnable games. They could they could beat Atlanta. They could I don't know if they beat Detroit in Detroit, but that's a potential win. The Giants, unfortunately, are a potential win. Always, the Jets are a potential win. I mean, that's really other win. I think maybe they split the series with Arizona. I mean, I think, I think if they get five wins, that's a good season for them. I I, I really do. I I don't see them getting six. I think five is their max. So for me, it's a hundred percent under on this one. How about you? I uh, <laughs> I wish I could disagree, but I'm not going to. I have so many friends from from the Pacific Northwest that have been waiting for this one. And look, 
you, you got an extremely tough schedule, you know, just playing the NFC West. So that, that's already the, the bad start. On top of that, like I said, they're playing teams re- completely reloaded. The Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, they got the Bucks, Giants, and the Saints. You know, there's there's a great chance that Seattle's going to have major struggles this year and end up probably going to end up with a first overall pick in the draft next year. It's just... It's going to be a tough rebuilding year for the franchise, and you know it's there's not much that you can do, no matter what kind of magic uh, Pete Carroll can can cook up. And you know, speaking about coaches that may have worn out their welcome, I think that this is one where I think you know, Pete Carroll just might get dragged along with, and this might be his final year, to be honest. Yeah, unless he could pull a rabbit out of a hat, like I don't think he, I don't see him coaching next season. And, you know, Seattle's not too far off. I mean, they still got – you got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You have a good core for your receivers. You know, running back, we saw Chris Carson retire in the offseason. You have Richard Penny to start. You drafted Kenneth Walker in the second round. So they are restarting the rebuilding process, though. And, you know, we talked about it with Atlanta last weekend where I just – I think they're they're ready for their franchise quarterback. And it's like you said tons of times – Keep drafting a quarterback until you get their franchise. Thank you. Yes. Keep doing it over and over. Yes, yes. And I don't blame them for not taking a quarterback in this year's draft because, let's be honest, there really wasn't any eye-popping names. I mean, Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers, some people even thought that was a little bit of a reach. Desmond Ritter, we'll see how he does. Same thing with Malik Willis. I mean, there's a reason Willis led all the way to the third round. So I can understand this is going to be a much better draft class coming up. I believe you'll have Bryce Young from Alabama. You'll have a few other top names. So I think Seattle's gunning for that number one, two, or three pick. This is a team where, you know, I hate to say there's no hope, but I don't see any hope whatsoever in in getting the over. And I don't even want to spend too much more time talking about what about you. That's fine with me too, Allie. All right, well, let's move on to some other fun stuff. Let's go to some rankings. So let's look at the quarterback situations. I think you and I would both agree when we look at Stafford, Lance, Murray, and the combination of Smith and Locke that Stafford, I would say, is the clear-cut number one guy if you're if you're if you have a franchise right now who you want as your quarterback. I mean, is do you put but let's look at the number two and three. You know, Lance and Murray. I know Murray's established, Lance has the raw talent. But if you're building your franchise, Robert, you know, who do you want as your as your quarterback? Do you want Kyler Murray or do you want Trey Lance? No, this one's easy. Uh, I want Kyler Murray uh, yeah. for all the things that we've said. I, I think he's, uh, you know, once every 10 years you get a talent like him. And I, I think that he's the one that's going to be, you know, the, the leader for Arizona at the end of the year, no matter how many wins or losses they get. Um He's just uber talented, and he knows when to stay in the pocket. He knows when to release. Uh, so I, I think I would take him over the Niner quarterback, whichever you know, quarterback du jour. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll be I'll be taking Kyler Murray over uh, over Trey Lance in in this instance. Yeah, I agree with you, and I I do the same if it was Jimmy Garoppolo starting for them. I right. think, like I said, I think Kyler has tons of talent. Whether he's a good leader, you know, that's still up for debate, but. Kyler, you know, he he just watching him run sometimes is just like watching a jackrabbit run down the field. He just has all these moves and he could 
you know, deke people out. He's so good when he escapes the pocket and uses his legs to run downfield. But that worries me too, because we already saw last year, he missed a significant amount of time with injury. I think he missed a handful of games. So again, this is why I'm always leery about running quarterbacks that you can get injured. And the more you're in the league, the more of a target you get on the back, the more opposing defenses figure out your schemes. So I would just caution him. I think, you know, we're seeing that kind of in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. He's already stated he wants to become more of a pocket passer. So I think Murray's going to have to start this year transitioning to throwing more than using his feet i mean am i am i too crazy robert to 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 say that no no not not at all not at all um it's it's something that they'll have to adjust to and uh he has the talent to do exactly that and so that's why i have him ranked so high yeah and and we'll see it'll be interesting to see how he does perform the first six games without deandre hopkins i know his i know his production does take a big dive without it, but we'll see if having Hollywood Brown there helps him out. Let's go to wide receivers though, because this is, this is a division that's loaded with good wide receivers. You have Cooper cup, you have Debo Samuel, you have Deandre Hopkins and DK Metcalf. Robert, these four number one receivers, how are you ranking them? So I went, obviously, you know, cup is one for me. Yeah. Uh, Then give me, I'll take Samuel two. Yep. DK Metcalf three. Oh wow. And then I I'm I'm I can't count on Hopkins. So because because we know he's gonna be missing time. Fair. So you can't go there. Give me Hollywood Brown. Wow. And this is this is my last. I mean, I'm I'm probably dangling on a on a cliff with this one because if I see you know more drops than receptions from Hollywood Brown this year, then you know we can we could probably write him off as just you know someone that's super electric that was able to, you know, make an incredible career, you know, you know, early on. And I just think that with the the change of scenery now being the number one uh, you know, on on the team, I think that he's gonna have a, a really electric year and he'll probably have a, a better season uh when it's all done, you know, far more than Lockett or or even Allen Robinson. Yeah, I mean I agree with you with DeAndre Hopkins that, you know, I think I hate to say it, but I think we saw his prime already. I really do. I think that, you know, we're going to see a little bit of a, a regression as the next few years come. The biggest thing with Hopkins is he's just injured so often. Like when he's on the field, he can make plays, you know, that he makes Kyler Murray so much better. A lot of Deshaun Watson's success came from DeAndre Hopkins. But you can't count on him. And in a wide res- in a league like this, you need your number one receiver to be there all the time. So Cooper Cup is the definitive number one. I'm not even going to argue with that. I would agree with you. I think Debo Samuel goes number two because he just has that dual threat. You know, whether he's going deep for a pass, whether he's running, you know, in the slot, or whether he's he's even just running as a running back. Like this guy, you know, is just. I'll say he's a triple threat, actually, not a, just a right. dual threat. Right, yes. So he's definitively number two. I'll put DK Metcalf. I'll agree with you. I'll put him over Hopkins because I think last season was an anomaly. You know, he. I know a lot of fantasy o- owners were really upset with his production. If you look at his numbers, it wasn't a huge, huge drop-off that some people in the media might make it out to be. 
I think he's only going to get better. Seattle saw that they gave him a big extension in the off season. I'm like you, I, I think DK has just a bright future ahead of him. And I think you're going to get a rookie quarterback that he's going to be paired with next season. And he's really going to shine. So I think I'll put Metcalf number two, and then just by default Hopkins number, number four, because I will give him respect. So yeah, Cooper cup, number one, Debo two, Metcalf three, and Hopkins four. So let's move on to the coaches, though, because this is a great division for coaches. We talked about how you and I both love Cliff Kingsbury, one of the top in the league. We talked about how we both love McVay, one of the best in the league. Then let's put let's put them with Kyle Shanahan and Pete Carroll. Where are you ranking these four coaches, Robert? I will say from – Four to one. Let's go. I'm going to take, and boy, they're all so talented. Right, I know. Uh, um, and you know, just by, by look, just because you're number four in the division, I, I like have, honestly, the entire NFC West coaching, they're like top 10 in the all of the uh, Yeah, absolutely. Like they're, they're really, really incredible minds and, and the things that they can do. I mean, they literally are, are making chicken salad out of chicken shit every single year in some cases. <laughs> You know, McVay, I'll put McVay number four. Uh, you know, I, I think he does very well from, you know, offensive defense. He could probably use a little bit of help in, but so I'll have him four. Shanahan's three, incredible offensive mind as well. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll number two, uh, you know, defense for days. He's been able to put together incredible defensive packages over his entire uh, NFL career. And then uh, I'm going to take Kingsbury number one. Wow. Again, for the for the same reason of how great he just does, uh, you know, to make really, really sharp offensive schemes, um, you know, could use some help defensively, but, uh, you know, certainly makes it up by putting points up on the board. So I'll go uh, Kingsbury number one for me, Allie. So I'm a little different because I'll actually put Shanahan number four because, like, we just talked about his record without Jimmy G. I don't think he's shown enough versatility for me just to put him above any of the other coaches. You know, you, you look at McVay, who's worked well with, he got to the Super Bowl with Matt Stafford and Jared Goff. So I know he's probably had more talent than Shanahan throughout his coaching career, but still, you know, to get with two different quarterbacks to the Super Bowl is quite an accomplishment. So I'll put McVay number three. I'll put Kingsbury number two because I still haven't seen him coach a significant game in the postseason. I mean, he had the one game and it was just a complete embarrassment. And then by default, I put Pete Carroll at number one because listen, the guy has a Super Bowl. He's been to multiple Super Bowls. You know, he still has had this, you know, before the season, last season, you know, the Seattle was perennial the team to be in that division. So I think you got to give him respect and put him number one. So we disagree a little bit on that one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I come and I could see why you could put Carroll. It was tough for me to decide yeah. you know, Kingsbury over Carroll. You know, one one is known highly for their offense. The other one's been able to put together incredible defensive packages. Maybe it was just the way I woke up this morning. You know, <laughs> I would I'd be fine if any of them were my head coach. So. <laughs> right. I'm not gonna argue with that. But let's quickly predict. You know, we we set our over under. So Robert, give me you know first, second, third, and fourth place each team and their record. Okay. I'll go Seattle picks up five wins. Uh, Arizona seven. Now give me eight. 
eight wins for Arizona. Okay. The Niners get to 10. Uh, the Rams get to 11. So Rams win the division for me. Yeah, I'll say Rams. Rams get 11 wins. I'll say the Niners, they pick up nine. They're going to go under. I think that the Cardinals will get seven. And Seahawks, I'll go with four. So we agree with their with their first to four finish. So we'll see uh, when we check back on the tape at the end of the year how we were with our own. Yes, please. <laughs> but we are running out of time. But I want to give you a little more time, Robert, uh, before we sign off. You know, wh- what do you have for final thoughts today? You know, my final thoughts, it was – uh, a, a little bit of a, a bittersweet start to my morning. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Alan Dickinson, he was, you know, really beloved, you know, in, in the sports betting realm. Uh, he went by the name Dink. Everyone called him Dink lovingly, uh, whether it was in person, uh, seeing him on Twitter. He was, you know, for decades, uh, really coming up with just innovative, smart ways on gambling you know not only sports betting but you know but just gambling and it's really someone that uh i i love to follow and it was just a pleasure meeting you know him as you know he this morning we we know that he uh that he passed on uh and what i wanted to do was just you know talk a little bit about you know some of the things that he taught me uh and i'd love to share with our listeners today and you know the one thing that we talked about is you know, hedging. Everyone wants to say, you know, oh, should I hedge off on this parlay? I've got a three-team parlay and it's going to win me whatever, two, $3,000 or I could get 10X on this. Really, hedging is is more of, it's more of the psychology of betting. And, and the way Alan, you know, presented it, it was, you, you have a, two different bankrolls, right? There's your monetary bankroll. It's just the cash that you're you're willing to to bet on sports with, and then there's your emotional bankroll. And, you know, that's saying to yourself, well, if I know that I'm going to lose and you will lose, (laughs) uh, are you okay with that? Are you okay with losing, you know, whatever it is in your mind that you, you, you're going to put up as a stake, you know, maybe if you have, like, let's say you, you, you really break down as we have in over these last few months, a season win total, and you really like a position and you find a team that you say, you know what? I don't care what Ali and Robert say. I'm, betting Seattle to win the division. And I know I could get 30 to one and you you bet into them. And now you're into December and here they are, they're a game out. Well, now you're holding a ticket. That's 30 to one. And you're going to make it to the final game of the season. That's going to decide whether or not they're going to win that bet. Well, so maybe a hedge might make sense there. You know, it's, it's obviously you're looking at 30 X your money versus something which is significantly less. It would be zero. So maybe a little hedge there makes sense. You know, but that, that, you know, when you take a look at it, you, you want to make sure that you're going to be okay with the amount that you risked uh, in your wager. I mean, that's kind of my, you know, little parting, you know, thought for the day. You know, Dink has always been, you know, someone that I've, I've loved following and uh, love to go ahead and you know, just dedicate this episode to him, uh, who's just one of the most kindest, uh, smartest people I've ever met, you know. Going back to you know, where I was, you know, born and raised in New York City, he, you know, he's uh, cut from the same cloth, and you know, he's just one of the more uh, really well-educated people that I've ever met in this, you know, small, tiny little pocket that you know that we call uh, sports betting. Uh, so, you know, with that, you know, Ali, thanks so much for uh, you know, allowing me this little little time to uh, you know talk about Dink and uh, a little parting 
thought for everyone else when it comes to sports betting, you know, as we enter the NFL season. Yeah, absolutely. And very well said, Robert. You know, he seems like a great guy. I wish I would have had the chance to meet him. Sounds like a brilliant mind. So we do mourn his loss. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. And Robert, next next week, we got some picks to make. We do have picks to make. We have reached the end of the preseason. We've reached the end of the line as we head towards the very, very beginning of the football season. Uh, we're we're going to have an awful lot of information for our, our listeners. And I'm uh, so grateful for, for you to tune in and uh, can't wait to share more thoughts and uh, little predictions as we go along the way, Ali. Yeah, and I think we have so much to talk about next week. We're going to actually do an episode, uh, I believe, early in the week. I know Monday's Labor Day, but Robert and I will try to get something on the schedule for Tuesday or Wednesday. So we give you guys plenty of time to listen. You know, we're actually going to go down and break down all 16 spreads, all 16 games, give you our best bets, give you our picks. You know, if we need to do two episodes with that. We will because, you know, week one, we both agree, is the hardest weekend to bet. Although I will say, and I know Robert agrees with me, take the points, take the points, take the points. And then when you you don't want to take the points, take the points. Exactly, exactly. Can never go wrong with taking points. So we have plenty to talk about next week. And, you know, we hope all of our previews helps you guys if you're placing futures bets. So with that, have a good weekend, everyone. Take care. Bye.